Welcome to The Wrong Side, the podcast where we talk through the latest happenings in pop culture to help make sure you never find yourself on the wrong side of history. On today's episode, we're talking all about The Bachelor finale, Addison Rae's new music video, and the great millennial versus Gen Z debate. Let's discuss. I just took one sip of water and spilled it all over myself. Oh no, it's okay. You're getting nice and moist. (laughs) I'm so annoyed. I never drink water during this, but I've noticed that I've been talking a lot lately and my mouth does get dry. So no, yeah, I went to, um, I think when I told you about my story about how I went to Margarita factory last week (laughs) and we're not going to do the whole thing over again, but I was thinking about how when we were there, it was really loud in there because it's a really big giant warehouse and there's people just everywhere, like split space to part. And so it's very echoey and you have to yell across the table. Oh no. To speak to the person you're with. And I was getting a little raspy towards the end there. And I was like, wow, I'm not, I'm not trained anymore to talk this much. No, every, I'm nervous for whenever I do go back to New York, because every time that I have hung out with people, which is very rare and usually every three months or so, I lose my voice every weekend. Like the weekend that we got to spend (laughs) together, I had no voice by the end of that because I just don't talk anymore. I guess this podcast sort of trains us, but it's not enough. It's like, it's like going for a walk once a week. Like how much (laughs) does it really keep you in shape? I will say the Margarita Factory really hit our DMs hard this week. Not actually Margarita Factory, but people (laughs) asking about Margarita Factory. And I have to agree. And I just, I know we don't want to spend any more time talking about it unless they want to promote us. But I will have, I have to ask you, is it worth it? Like, is it a good place to go? Or is it sort of like a Chili's Applebee's vibe? It's more than a Chili's Applebee's vibe, because if you go, the only way to really truly get a Chili's Applebee's vibe is to go to Chili's or Applebee's (laughs) or Red Lobster or whatever. But I mean, the food was bad. But if you drink enough of the margarita, you don't care at that point. Although I will say I kept eating the food, wanting it to taste better. And then I just ended up full hungover and just like actually wanting to vomit like I told you when I got home and I was playing Fortnite like it was a bad experience so you just have to know how to handle your liquor maybe get the nachos because that's always a safe choice or a case do not and I repeat do not get the carnitas because they tasted like nothing no other don't get the enchiladas because the chicken was dry get a lot of cheese Get all the cheese in the world. Get the rice. Get the beans. You can't go wrong with that. Drink Always stick with the sides. The sides yeah, and, and then, the margarita. And then go to crumble cookies after. Oh my Ooh. God. Have you ever had crumble cookies? No. They're bad. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they're bomb. Okay. They're no. just made up bad. They're like a cookie cookie place. You know, they, they're they a worldwide or maybe a nationwide chain. I don't know about worldwide. But it's a worldwide. It's a worldwide. But they have like five cookies that they make rotating. So every week it's like a new five flavors or so. And every single store ever, everywhere makes the same five flavors. So if you go to the crumble website, you'll see the five flavors because it doesn't change. The cookies are bad. (laughs) How do you come up with five new flavors, five new cookies every week? That's aggressive. They're not not, like they're rotating. They're rotating. So they have flavors. I was like, that's a lot of different. I don't even know if I can name 10 types of cookies. And then maybe it's like salt and straw where they might create Mm -hmm. like an actually new one every now and again. Like last week there was an Oreo some like Oreo birthday cake cookie, which was horrible. But they're all garbage. No, like I think they're bad, but everybody else seems to enjoy them. So I don't know what it is because I'm a cookie whore and I love a good cakey cookie. Like a cookie that tastes like cake is my shit. But these are just, I don't know. Got and they it. had like a, they had a peanut butter cookie that was okay. It kind of tasted like a sugar cookie, but then there was like a layer of thick peanut butter in the middle, which is not my vibe. It might be somebody's vibe. It's just not mine. There was a Nutella cookie with a layer of Nutella in it. I mean, I don't know. Like it's just... It's a lot. I just don't like, have you ever had a Levain cookie in New York? It's actually Levain. Okay. Well, for us basic folk, it's Levain. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. 
that is the only that is the only type of really rich cookie that I like other other than that I only just like basic simple cookies I don't like with a lot of shit in it like peanut butter and oreos and and a layer of nutella just let it be what it's supposed to be which is a basic cookie Yes, let it be a cookie. And and Levain, I'll say Levain because I won't be a LaCroix kind of person. I'll say LaVain. <laughs> they actually are what I expected from Crumble. Like when yeah. my friend Maddie told me, she was like, oh, Crumble, you should go. They're like really cakey cookies. And in my head, I was like, <gasps> Levain cookies? Levain? 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 Uh, but they weren't. They're really bad. But you should go to there if you go to New York because those were fire. And I would wait in line again for those. Oh, every time. They also have really good flatbreads. But anyway, we. this is <laughs> not a food. I'm serious. They had like an olive and goat cheese flatbread. And I this tried is, it one time and it was incredible. This is making me want to change my answer to our question of the day. <laughs> I know, for real. Listen. Now my mind is only thinking about food. <laughs> okay. Well, here's our question of the day. If you could relive one day in your life, what would it be? Do you want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. So I really am starting to question all of my favorite food experiences now, but I have to shift my brain away from just all the good meals that I've had. And this question is hard because I think my answer might change on any given day, but one of the most recent days that immediately popped into my mind was actually last March, 2020, the the year that (laughs) actually ruined our lives right before the pandemic hit. So as you know, Audrey, I'm a huge Chelsea Cutler fan. I (laughs) love her music. I've just been a huge fan of hers for so many years before she got big. Now she's getting bigger. Good for her. So happy. But I've been to, I went to one of her shows in Seattle. We went to one of her concerts in Portland and last March, uh, she was doing a show in New York, literally like a week before the pandemic hit. So one of my coworkers is actually, and now friends, because we're technically not coworkers anymore, but she is actually friends with Chelsea Cutler, which when I found that out, I almost shit myself because I never, I don't know famous people. I don't have connections to famous people. So this was like my first exciting connection. And I was like, are you kidding me? How is that possible? And my friend was so nice and knew that I was a fan. And she invited me to the concert with her which was just immediately the best night. And so I got to hang out with my friend. We hung out with her friends before the concert. We were just like chilling in one of their apartments, having the best time, just like getting pumped. And I hadn't been to a concert in so long. So I was already just having the time of my life. We get to the concert. We find a great spot on the floor. The concert is incredible. It's like a three-story venue in New York. Chelsea is killing it. The acoustics are way better than the show that we had in Portland because the speaker system was not. I do not remember going to a Chelsea Keller show in Portland. I'm pretty sure I did. Nadia, you went with Nadia. Did I go? Yes. I didn't. No, I didn't. I'm 99% sure you did. Where was it? I don't remember the. I don't think I went to that. Maybe ask Nadia. I'm almost. I feel like I would remember that. Okay, we'll have her confirm. But I could have sworn you went. No, I definitely didn't. I think you went with Nadia. Oh, wait, maybe you had to cancel because of a, I thought I you had another commitment. I did have another commitment. Oh shit, you didn't go. Okay, well, basically the show that she did in Portland was still- so Do you great. really want to relive it if I wasn't there? I mean, I like- I wasn't there anyway, okay. <laughs> but the acoustics at, and the Portland show were just bad. Like the venue was bad. She wasn't bad. So anyway, the it was just a way better experience in New York. And then after the show, me and my friend and her group of friends, we went to this tiny bar around the corner because after a concert, you know, you're still on a high. You don't want to stop and go home. Go home? No. no. So we're just like drinking at this really quirky little bar. It's like super random, but that almost made it more fun. And then we get a text or Chelsea starts calling them because it's her group of friends. And she's like, hey, do you guys want to come on the tour bus and like hang for a little bit? So th- I, at this point, I'm just blacked out. I'm fully not living my life anymore. <laughs> I've obviously never been on a tour bus before. So yeah, we got to go onto her tour bus. Uh, my friend introduced me to her. I got to hug Chelsea Cutler twice. And it was just so fun because we got to chill in this bus. There were like eight of us. And it, it was just her with her friends. Like I was obviously the rando, which made it a little weird. But it was just cool to see someone like that, that I've listened to her music for so long and idolized her. And she's just normal. And she was in sweatpants and they were just catching up like friends do. And it was just the coolest night of my life. And when I got home that night, I was just like, wow, this is New <laughs> this York is the big city. city life. You yeah. know? <laughs> and then you got it was just a like very Yeah. Like I just felt like I was on a cloud the entire night and it was incredible. So sorry, that was a long story, but it was truly one of the best nights of my life. On to you. 
Um, I had a hard time with this one because I feel like I don't remember life in days. Like I can't remember what I did on a day. So I thought about specific types of days that I had. And I think I would love to relive a day on the lake on Priest Lake where my family used to have a cabin when we lived in Spokane. And I I just, I saw this TikTok the other day of this family going on like a night cruise on their little speedboat and the sunset was happening. And Oh, it just gave me the best vibes. And we just, we, we don't do that anymore because we got rid of the cabin and we don't live in Spokane anymore and we're all growing up. So it's harder to get together. And those are just the best days ever. And I feel like I didn't appreciate them in those moments. So I feel like I would definitely go back and do that again. There was this restaurant on the lake called Cavanaugh's that had the best fucking nachos ever. It had the best huckleberry margarita. Oh, dude, it was just the best. And I didn't know, you know, when you're a, when you're a teen, you don't realize how lucky you are to have certain things. And I just had no clue how lucky I was to have that like childhood experience of being able to go to the lake every summer and like be on a boat and go inner tubing and have a dock and all of those things. I just, I took them for granted. So yeah. Lake days really are the best. I didn't have too many, but every now and then growing up, like I'd go with a family friend that had a boat or whatever. And they were truly always the best day, like going inner tubing and getting food after. I remember always getting milkshakes and just the food tastes better. The drinks taste better. You're always the best form of tired because you're just exhausted from swimming. And And I feel like I missed out a little bit because we got rid of the cabin in like in call when I was in college yeah and we and I when I was a kid I always thought about how fun it'll be to be an adult and like have all your friends come yes. be on the lake, drive the boat with them and be able to drink because like lake days in the summer I wanted to know I wanted to drink so bad like I was so jealous of my siblings <laughs> who were older than me and I, I'm so sad I never got to do that. And there's just like not as many, it's like not as much of a thing. I mean, it is a little bit of a thing in Oregon, but in Washington, there's so many lakes you can go to like totally. from Spokane, like Coeur d'Alene, you can go for like a day trip and you could even like rent a boat if you wanted or whatever. Yeah. But I feel like that's like just a little bit less of a thing here. Like we did that once for someone's birthday, but we like went on the river and it was an actual horrible experience because it's a river. And so the boat is moving, even if the boat is off. And we almost like rammed into an island and I was the only one that knew how to drive a boat and it was actually terrifying and not fun. But it was never doing that again. It was almost fun, but then it stopped being fun when we like literally almost ruined the boat. But that's a story. Go into the river to pray. I have to stop you. We must get started because we've been talking for 15 minutes. Oh my God. And we have so much to discuss. People are going to start tuning us out. Great call. Great call. (laughs) That's why we put in the timestamps. So that way, and starting now, we are going to talk about the Bachelor finale. I'm low-key so excited that this is the last time we have to discuss this horrible season. So the last episode of Matt James' season was basically everything we thought it would be and just a complete (laughs) waste of two hours. Okay. If I'm being completely honest, however, that is in contrast to after the final rose portion, which tackled the controversy around Rachel and really reinforced the show's longstanding issues. So if it's okay with you, I would like to dedicate the majority of this conversation around after the final rose and not the actual finale, because I really can't emphasize enough how much of a waste of two hours it was. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. And ultimately, everything that happened that in that finale was negated by, you know, the events that took place afterwards. Yeah. Um, so I don't give a shit about that. And we don't need it to discuss. Well, you know what I wish they would have done? I wish they would have done a one hour finale and then a two hour after the final rose. Yeah, that's really what we needed. And we didn't get that. Because like, I what cannot, a waste of time. I'm not kidding. Matt spent 45 minutes of the finale just deciding whether or not he wanted to propose. And that was the most infuriating thing because we obviously all knew that it wasn't going to work out with him and Rachel. And so it's like, why am I wasting an hour of my life watching this man decide whether or not to propose when I know that they're no longer together? It was just a waste of time. So disrespectful to the viewers. But yeah, the actual finale, what a disaster. I mean, 
the whole introduction to his family, whatever. I thought it went fine. But then his mom, his relationship with his mom is really interesting. And then obviously she was kind of like, oh, I don't know if you should do this. Love doesn't last forever. Da, da, da. Then he starts panicking. He dumps Michelle. That was horrible to watch. Justice for her. The almost proposal. I'm glad he didn't propose to Rachel. At least he has that going for him. Because I always yes. do. I always do feel bad for the leads. Or, you know, uh, the the winner when they're like, wow, I just poured my heart out in a proposal and now I'll never get that back. And so I'm glad that he at least didn't like that was his one good decision. But let's just dive right on into after the final rose. What were your thoughts, overall feelings, general attitude towards this special? I think that I was just generally... I think I was disappointed. I, I expected more out of the conversation and even just the time dedicated to the conversations is like a great indicator of that. I just feel like I think while it was a great move to bring Emmanuel Acho on, it definitely felt like a band-aid and I don't feel as though his ideas were driven. I feel like the producer said, here's what you're going to do. Or maybe he did something to specific degrees, but then things got cut out. Like there was that clip that he posted on his Instagram where um, Rachel and Michelle had a conversation, which got completely cut from the show. And it's like, why did that happen? Because I feel like, I don't know. It's just one thing that I do, that I do want to say is that I don't think that there really was anything Rachel could have said (laughs) and that's not to that's not to defend her because again I think it's clear that she doesn't really maybe necessarily even think she did anything wrong but maybe more that she just was like wrong place wrong time Mm -hmm. she's like a scapegoat for like white white people bad white people or whatever but I do think that I could I was just thinking of anything that I feel would have been acceptable just from my perspective as a non-person of color, what I think she could have said. I couldn't think of a damn single thing she could have said. I agree. There's just nothing, no PR professional could have stitched together a statement that would have made everybody happy. But I do think she did. I mean, I think she could have done better than what she did too, because her whole line, Oh yeah, I could, I could sit here and I could give you a list of everything that I've done to this point. I'm, I'm like, okay, yeah, like you probably should, or at the very least, what you could do is demonstrate what you've learned. But the fact that you can't do that, like just use some, use some vocabulary, like tell us a little bit about what you read about. Tell us mm-hmm. about some, some concepts, you know, some, some terms, use them in a sentence. Like that would have been a really good indicator that maybe she was taking the time to learn. And instead she was like, I'm not going to give you a list because that seems disingenuous. And I was like, Ooh, wrong answer. Wrong uh, everybody. Answer. <laughs> I looked on Twitter and that was every single top tweet on Twitter was people being like, well, list them then list them. Don't be shy. Tell us. Yeah. And that's the, and, and that's kind of the flip side of the coin, because then I feel like if she had listed everything she'd done, then there would have been criticism of that too. Like, oh, she uh, memorized yeah. some resources that people gave to her. Exactly. That's why it's like, Ooh, she was in a tough spot. You know what I mean? But like, totally. And, and to a certain degree also nothing she could have said would have satisfied every single viewer, every single person of color that she hurt with her actions, like everybody wants something differently. And she, of course, like wouldn't have ever been able to deliver, you know, hundred percent of what everybody needed, but it was a little off-putting. Just the whole thing was pretty off-putting. And then the whole Matt James thing. Oh, well, see, I think the most, one of the biggest pieces of the interview of the whole special actually that stood out in my mind was when Matt sort of buried Rachel because obviously Rachel has made all these statements now you know she's on her Instagram all the time she's doing this interview but at one point Matt explained that the most disappointing part was trying to explain to Rachel why it was problematic and why I was so upset and so obviously you know while she's publicly asserted that she's so different you know than she was in 2018 and while she's sort of tried to be accountable for her past mistakes This quote from Matt really did reveal a present day moment when she apparently sort of pushed back on the idea that she had ever done anything wrong. So Matt highlighting that off-screen moment was sort of just the peak of the the whole season. The tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, we can get all these statements on Instagram. We can get all these prepped interviews that she's done, but that behind the curtains peak sort of told us everything we needed to know. Yeah. And I, I don't want to be, I'm struggling because it's really easy to be overly critical 
So I know that what I'm about to say might feel overly critical, but just her demeanor too, like at the, 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 when she was responding to the question and saying, I could sit here and I could give you a list. She was kind of like condescendingly like smiling. And I was like, why are you smiling? Like, you don't like, you're not, I, I feel like she could have, even if it was disingenuous, like even if she was forcing a certain facial expression or demeanor, like that would have been good because like you should feel shame and people want to know that you feel shame because if you don't feel shame, then you don't understand the problem. Yeah. So I feel like she was kind of just making me really uncomfortable a little bit with her overall demeanor where she kind of was just like, I'm going to say everything you want to hear, but this is how it felt. It's just that I felt like she was like, I'm going to tell you everything you want to hear, but I don't necessarily believe it. That's how it felt. Well, and even her attitude towards Matt was making me so uncomfortable because Matt was basically silent the entire time that he sat next to her. It was deafening. And then, you know, he's clearly, I found it really, I mean, I know that Emmanuel was probably told to ask this, but, you know, he kept sort of asking, so is there a chance? Is the door still open a little bit for you guys to get back together? And Matt clearly was showing that there was no way that Rachel was going to win him back in any anytime soon or ever and it was just so uncomfortable because yeah there was no eye contact they were sitting far apart on the couch and it just I hated how she kept you know like putting her hand on him and trying to comfort him when clearly that is not what he wanted at all I wonder if something else happened and and there and Matt's just like I'm just here to fulfill my contract and I'm not going to get into it like I'm so tired of the yeah. Cause there afterwards too, he posted that tweet that was like Google therapist near me. Did you see that? <laughs> and then shortly after he didn't deactivate his Instagram, but he archived all of his posts. Oh, um, really? Yeah. And I'm, I'm just about to check to see if they're still archived or if he's back. Yeah. They're still archived. So the reason that you can tell that he didn't necessarily deactivate his account is because you can still follow and unfollow him, but he has zero posts. So he archived them all. So I'm assuming I'm assuming that there's probably been a similar backlash to Matt as there was to Rachel, which was just Rachel Lindsay, that is, which is just a lot of like racist ignorance and not really anything productive. So he's probably struggling and people were like, is that a cry for help that tweet or are you okay? Or, you know, are you just taking some time to sign off? I feel bad for him. I really do. But I don't know. I, I feel like I'm not, I don't have a clear picture of what happened. And that's not to say that anyone's lying, but I just feel like Matt's at the point where he's like, I'm over this. This is my life. I don't need to talk about it with millions of people. I'll give you guys what you need to fulfill my contract. And then I'm over this. (laughs) I agree. I think he's just, I think he's as glad that the season is over as we are. (laughs) He just wants to go about living his life. I hope he finds someone wonderful that is not associated with this rapidly declining franchise and declining quite rapidly yeah he just deserves some space really quickly thoughts on the new bachelorettes uh okay (laughs) (laughs) overall i'm excited i think both katie and michelle will have great seasons i'm definitely a little more excited for michelle's but that's just me i uh, i mean i'm glad I'm glad that we know what to expect, at least for a while. So at least there's no, you know, there's not going to be any big surprises in the near future other than maybe Paradise. But the only thing is that it's just interesting how they picked two women to be the next host and then two women to be the next Bachelorette. And I'm just trying to figure out what is going on behind the scenes, you know, what their rationale is and how they're picking and why. And it just seems a little suspicious and a little like, they're just trying to put a bandaid over the situation and try to make everybody happy with these decisions, but just feels a little weird to me, but I think they're going to be great bachelorettes and I'm happy for them. I just think what's really weird is why did you need, why couldn't it have been just Michelle? And exactly. Why that's why, that's why it feels like a bandaid because I think they have it feels of- like they're like, okay, okay. You'll, we'll give you what you want. We're not going to not have a white, lead but we'll also cast no exactly i feel like what they would have done in the past 
is they would have given us Katie and that would have been it. But because of everything that's happened this season, exactly. They're like, well, we can't piss off people by removing Katie from the bachelorette because then we're going to get a bunch of hate saying, oh, just because she's white, she can't be the bachelorette, which is not the case, but you know, that people would say that. And Mm -hmm. so then exactly. They just add on Michelle as the bachelorette to say, look at us. We're so we're trying, we're inclusive. We're doing whatever we can. And it just feels like a big band-aid that is not actually helping anything. And I actually have some tea because I remember, and I never shared this on the podcast because it was a spoiler, but back in the day on Reality Steve, he reported that Katie was announced as the Bachelorette at the Women Tell All. Yeah. And they never aired that because after that happened is when the Chris Harrison controversy broke out. Yeah. So my little, what's the word? Conspiracy is that Katie was announced. Then they cut it because they're like, oh my God, we can't announce a white bachelorette after we had this cast that was, had so many people of color that we could have selected from. So they didn't want to take it away from Katie because they knew that she, or that they knew that she was a fan favorite, Mm -hmm. but then they tacked on Michelle too. Cause it's never been done this way that there's two back-to-back bachelorettes. It's always been bachelor, bachelor. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm also interested to see if I turn the corner on Katie in a bad way. I know. And I feel like I might change my mind. I'm nervous. I'm nervous that she's like a moral high ground person. I'm nervous that she's thinks she's really good and that it's going to reflect poorly on her. I'm a little nervous to see just because we genuinely did not get that much screen time from her. And so it will be interesting to see her be the lead, have all this attention and really get to know a little more about her. Well, okay, so the last thing about The Bachelor is that Audrey brought up this little piece of information that I had no idea about. And it definitely seems like something that is just a little tidbit of information that but will probably roll into a big story soon. So please tell us. Yes. So Bachelor host Chris Harrison has hired a high profile Los Angeles lawyer to represent him amid his racism controversy and temporary step back as the host of the ABC franchise. A source close to Harrison confirms to us weekly that he has hired Brian J. Friedman from Friedman and Tatelman. He is the same lawyer who represented Gabrielle Union after she was let go from America's Got Talent after one season. It's unclear what legal actions Harrison is planning, but he has been replaced as the host of the upcoming seasons of the bachelorette uh, <laughs> bachelorette bachelorette after announcing last month that he was temporarily stepping down from the bachelor amid the scandal involving rachel kirkconnell so basically the main tea is we know the bachelor host chris harrison has hired a lawyer and a lawyer who is known for representing talent in employment disputes of some sort so the question is which the answer we don't know yet, but we will probably learn in the coming weeks or months is Bachelor Nation. Why do I keep saying Bachelor? Is Chris Harrison (laughs) suing ABC for like wrongful termination or something? Yeah, that's exactly what it seems like. Which would be hilarious because he stepped down allegedly. And so a lot of people, I was seeing some discourse about this on TikTok and stuff. And everybody's just speculating, like, we don't really know what's happening and we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. So we won't know anything and we won't confirm anything until it actually happens. But people were saying like, oh, Chris Harrison is taking the fall for, you know, years and years of what is a institution problem at ABC. And so he's being scapegoated for all of ABC's issues. When in reality, Chris has been working there for 20 years and he knows the ins and outs of how everything goes. And he could probably throw a lot of them under under the bus for some, some fucked up practices. That goes both ways though, because if he, if there is like some fucked up shit that's been happening behind the scenes, then he's been complicit for the last 20 years too. So like, exactly. I just, I just, I'm curious, like, is this going to be the demise of the bachelor? Like is Chris going, if I'm going down, then you're coming down with me. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I don't know. That could be completely wrong to some degree. It's true. Yes. Chris Harrison has been blamed for what is a literal entire problem. Like, I don't even want to know how fucked up and the behind the scenes stuff is with the producers, what kind of conversations they're having about the leads and the casting and all that when it comes to race specifically. But obviously Chris Harrison, you know, is, was a part of that. And he didn't take the fall for something that ABC did. He took the fall for something that he did, but you know, okay. 
the other thing is there could be a scenario where he was instructed to defend Rachel in that interview with Rachel Lindsay, potentially. I'm not, I'm just saying these are all the things that everybody is, you know, speculating on the internet. So yeah, thought we bring that up. Don't really have anything else to say about it right now because nothing has actually happened other than that he's definitely hired this lawyer, but it's not a great look for Chris Harrison or for the Bachelor franchise. So it's really feeling like we're this in the last next two years or so, like we might be done watching this show because it's not on the air anymore. <laughs> and I will say that watching Emmanuel Acho, even though I agree, I think that there was definitely some heavy producer influence on the way that he interviewed and conducted after the final rose. But overall, just seeing someone that can actually really interview people was such a stark contrast to what we're used to with Chris Harrison. And regardless of the controversy, it was just so nice to see a good host. You know what I mean? Like Chris Harrison is, it was a fine host when it came to all the pre-tape segments, but all the actual live interviews were the same every time. And it was so nice to see just a young, educated person really, really just connecting with the cast and and crew. And so I think that that sort of buried Chris Harrison even further because we saw what it could look like without him. And I thought it looked pretty damn good. (laughs) That's so true. Yep. So we'll see. We'll keep following up. You know, we love this juicy ass tea. (laughs) Speaking of juicy asses, Addison Rae is transitioning from TikTok star to musician, but not all fans are, quote, obsessed, end quote. Addison Rae, 20 years old, stunned fans on Friday by dropping her debut single, Obsessed, a self-love pop anthem that isn't exactly getting tons of love. Quote, I'm so emotional right now, she gushed to her 36.7 million followers on Instagram. This song makes me feel so many things. I love music, that's all. Ray said she has been working on music for the past year and has involved herself in every step of the process from songwriting to recording. From the beginning, I wanted to make sure that I was writing my own music, she told Vogue in a recent interview. I remember jotting down lyrics when I was little and trying to figure out how to make them into a song. Now I'm learning every detail from amazing songwriters. Now... What did you think of the music video, Emily? Okay, my first thing that I wanted to say is this really shocked the world. I mean, good for her and her team for managing to actually keep this under wraps because no one saw this coming. I It really genuinely did surprise everybody. There were no leaks, there were no rumors, except for that one Instagram story I sent you the night before where there was a little rumor that Addison was about to perform a song on a late night show in the coming week, but nobody knew what song or whatever was, you know, what was happening. But this was truly something that I didn't see coming that I should have seen coming. I think you said it best, just strong, strong Britney vibes in every way from the style of the video to the sound of the music to the hate that she's getting for it. Am I a fan of the song? Absolutely not. I think that it is 100% going to be one of those songs that you hear in Forever 21, you know, when you're getting your ears pierced and Claire's swinging by justice with your 12-year-old homies. I also got really strong Selena Gomez vibes. Just the sound of the song, the sound of her voice, probably because it's so heavily auto-tuned. That's why it sounds like Selena. Um, but I reason that it sounds like Selena is because they both have no talent. Oh, <laughs> literally though. No. If anybody is, if anybody wants to try to argue with us on that, go and watch Selena Gomez's carpool karaoke. I remember. Do you remember when I showed you this clip, Audrey? Yes. <laughs> she sings a Taylor Swift song, and it the high note that she tries to hit is actually the most painful thing, and I have no idea how she allowed that to end up on the segment, but. Total Selena Gomez vibes, which is funny because Selena Gomez has said that she's thinking about retiring. So it's kind of funny that Addison Ray was like, all right, perfect. Like I'm here then. And again, with the lyrics, I mean, I know that I always say that reading song lyrics out loud, it makes it sound 20 times more cringe. But I think the lyric that really takes the cake here is my heels so high, I might get a nosebleed. Oh, no. <laughs> to see that. Okay. Oh, yeah, I had a lot of thoughts. And first, let me just start by saying Addison Ray. <laughs> I'm trying to th- I'm trying to be delicate with this because I actually feel really bad for her. I feel really really badly for her because everybody fucking hates her. They hate her song. They hate everything about her. Even on her own TikTok, all of the top comments are like this is the most hilarious shit I've ever seen. It's horrible. 
everybody's like like making stitch TikToks of the how bad the, the dancing is. And it's like, it's tough because yeah, like the dancing is bad, but also I feel bad for her because this is probably something that, yeah, who doesn't dream of being a pop star? So she spent all this time planning all this thing. She probably thought about how this is like one of the most important parts of her career in her eyes. I just, I feel empathy for her, but on the same hand, it's just, uh, it's, it's very, very similar to Selena because personally, I don't feel like Selena has ever been a good singer and I don't enjoy her music because I don't think that it made sense for her to be in, in music at all. And it's the same with Addison Rae. And I feel like what's happening with both of them, what happened with Selena was that, and I'm just going to be straight because I really like Selena as a person, but to me, this is my interpretation of what happened with Selena. She was popular on Disney Channel. She wasn't strong enough of an acting talent to actually move forward in the acting world and get serious roles in, you know, different film and television where she would have been taken seriously. So she transitioned over, used her stardom, fandom, famedom from Disney to go into her singing career. And I feel like that's what's happening with Addison. Totally. I'm assuming that, you know, similar to the way that Vine stars moved into YouTube when they started learning that Vine, you know, there's a ceiling with Vine and Vine isn't, you can't base your entire career off of something, a platform that you don't own. You have to have multiple streams of income. I have to imagine that any influencer, whether they're on YouTube, Instagram, whatever, they're constantly stressing because they're like, what if like at one point my shit just dies? Or what if TikTok gets canceled the way the Vine was canceled and like literally ended? So I feel like it was a strategic move for Addison to transition onto a platform being music, which gives her a more longstanding career in entertainment. Whereas TikTok, she's kind of already reached her peak. Like what more can she be doing on TikTok? Nothing because she really only dances and people are kind of over her and Charlie and Dixie, like people just kind of hate them. So I feel as though she's trying to level up into a different level of fame. The second thought is the music itself, um, really bad. The, the music is bad. The, the, the music video is bad. Like conceptually, the video is bad. I wish that she would have been able to hire some better talent to make her look better. I wish that she would have watched the music video and said, hmm, this choreography really doesn't match the song at all. And I feel like I just look really dumb. We need to hire a new choreographer. This is my entry into the music industry. This needs to be done right. I'm sorry, not trying to sound ungrateful, but that's what I need to do because this matters to me. I feel like she probably has a lot of people telling her it's fine. It's fine. So I'm not blaming her. I feel badly for her because I feel as though she was done dirty. Totally. Specifically by her choreographer and whatever art director decided that that music video made any sense. And it makes it worse because the video is only, what, two minutes and 15 seconds? So you would assume, seeing that, that, oh, how bad can it be if it's only two minutes? And it's bad. You know, they could have done better for such a short song. It Like, they really just didn't need to do anything that they did. Yeah, the choreographer has got to be fired immediately. No, I really think that, okay, and and to be fair, the music actually, it's better than happy or be happy, whatever. I will take an Addison Rae song any day over a Dixie D'Amelio song. Yeah, like, the music was, it's not groundbreaking. She obviously isn't, you know, Ariana Grande, but it it was a catchy song. So I just feel like the music video could have been better. And she's a great dancer. The moves they were doing were, like, so bad, and that's not her fault. So I feel really, really bad for her. You know what I'm I'm excited and nervous for is that she is debuting this song on The Tonight Show this Friday, so March 26th. And I was scared for this because my immediate thought was- Is that public information? Yes. Okay. Yes. Make sure you don't get fired. <laughs> yes, this is public information, and- <laughs> When I first watched the music video, my immediate thought was, oh, this is going to be bad live. You know, this is going to be a rough live performance because autotune can help you out in any sort of recording studio, music video, whatever. But when you get in front of people to perform live, you are screwed. So when I heard that she was going to perform this on The Tonight Show, I was immediately thinking, oh, no, you know, this is going to be bad. But obviously, a lot of these late night shows don't actually have live audiences and a lot of these 
music performances are pre-recorded still and you know they can actually sort of produce them so I think we're going to get a very similar experience to the music video where it's still very much auto-tuned and just yeah pre-recorded very much produced which yeah I'm glad for because I don't think I could survive an actual live performance but I just I'm nervous for what that's going to look like I hope that they give her different choreographer, different choreography and different art direction because I feel as though they could have made it a lot more like sexy cute instead of like plain sexy. Like it was plain sexy and Addison Wright is a sexy person and she exudes sexy energy and I stand that for her. And I think with a song that was sexy, maybe the music would video make, would make sense. Like the music video was serving to me very much toxic by Britney Spears energy yes. and toxic is a very sexy song, but obsessed with me eat, eat, as much as you is not a sexy song. <laughs> and so she could have gone for the sexy, cute vibes because here's the other thing is, you know, we all watched the Britney Spears documentary, not two months ago talking about, oh, the media was so horrible to her and it's no wonder she like fell into that dark place. Have you looked at Addison Rae's TikTok comments lately? It's just, it's happening again. History is repeating itself. So give her a break and somebody help her look good because this is not it. And I stand her actually. I think that she's actually a really sweet girl, even though she's extremely annoying. Yeah, I mean, I I think that as much as I want to shit on the song and the music video, because that is truly how I feel, her as a person, I don't hate. Mm-hmm. I hate what the industry has made her do, but I don't I hate know. her. And yeah. she, she rose to fame by being who she is. Exactly. And now everybody hates her because of who she is, which was produced by everybody around her. Her mom, whoever managers they're hiring. Like, I think it's just... It's going downhill fast. I hope someone can turn it around because I really don't want to see her on the front of People magazine. Shaking like, her head. Having a, having a breakdown because yeah. everybody told her to kill herself exactly. this year. Exactly. Like seriously. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> uh, we will be posting her performance on The Tonight Show on our story. And I'm sure there'll be more to cover about this in the next week. Speaking of TikTok being a toxic community. <laughs> the great millennials versus Gen Z debate of 2021. Since February, a conflict over generational style has played out on social media through memes, ironic TikToks, and mockery. Afterward, got out that Gen Z was apparently canceling skinny jeans and side parts. Millennials, particularly white millennial women, with whom the aforementioned skinny jeans and side parts are most frequently associated in pop culture, were up in arms att- attempting to defend their style choices. Now the feud's participants are taking part in one of internet's most storied traditions, diss tracks. I like skinny jeans and my side part. I use this emoji and I like the heart, one diss track goes, to the tune of Boys by Lizzo. So you think we're old? Well, I ain't having that. We give you Wi-Fi and we can take it back. No. God, okay, no. I just wanted a moment to touch on this because it it's it's honestly kind of a, an old story. Like I think probably two weeks ago is when all the millennials in my life started texting me saying, wait, skinny jeans are out. But I think we have an interesting perspective being those bitches that are on the cusp of millennialhood and Gen Z-hood. And I just want to know, like we haven't talked about this. I just want to know, when you started seeing this stuff, what was your reaction as someone who does not identify with neither millennials nor Gen Zers? Okay, here's my thing. First of all, can we stop defining our personalities by the year we were born? I just hate how everybody, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the whole millennial versus Gen Z thing, but I hate how people are so up in arms about, well, because I'm a millennial, I have to like memes and like, and I have to defend skinny jeans and the side parts. And it's like, you can do whatever the hell you want. But my second thought was, why are we getting, especially the actual millennials, like the people that are older than us, they're getting so offended by this whole skinny jean controversy. (laughs) And it's like, why are we even trying to dress like 14 year olds? You know what I mean? I mean, yes, we can let them dictate trends and get upset about what the trends are, but we do not need to copy the style of 14, 15 year olds if we don't want to. Like if you're a 30 year old woman, you should not be dressing off of, you know, princess Polly boutique like 13 year olds are, you know what I mean? Correct. 
So yes, this that's very much accurate. As entertaining as it is, it's like this doesn't really need to exist. Why don't we just be our own people <laughs> and figure it the hell out? No, I did find it incredibly stupid. It's actually been irking me very deep to my core. And I actually don't even, I can't even put to words as to why, but I do think it is hilarious that everybody is like so upset. Dude, skinny jeans are not out. I'm sorry. They're just they're actually not. They'll you never be website, out. They're, they're constantly for sale. Like if you go on Good American, that's the only kind of jean that she sells. And mm-hmm. she's very poppin', very head, very, you know, with the times. So I just found that to be hilarious. And yes, I just think it's so annoying. And I'm so glad that you feel the same way. I, I'm so glad that I'm not a millennial, nor am I a Gen Zer. I know. I'm honestly glad to be. I used to feel a little lost a few years ago. You know, someone tell me where I am, where like I need the Harry Potter sorting hat to figure it out. But <laughs> at, at this point in time, I've never been more grateful to just be on the cusp. I'm like, leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with either of you. You've got to chill. I was telling my sister, who is very much so a millennial, she's about to turn 30 this summer. And I was telling her how much it pisses me off. And she had a very interesting insight, which I'm going to read to you now. Okay. I love this. She said, I think it's just a funny moment because millennials grew up with the internet when our parents, for the most part, weren't on there. So I think there's this kind of belief that millennials held in their hearts that they would always be aware of emerging trends and like what changes and what's cool in a way and that the generation above us could never because they were never online. But all of that changed when millennials like me all learned at once that the laughing emoji is cringe and they didn't (laughs) even realize that what was cool had changed and we're sharing the same digital spaces with the generation that doesn't think we're cool, which was a lot to handle for some people who are approaching 30, but for the mostly, but for me, it's mostly fine and funny. And I was like, that's such a great insight. Like the reason that it's so shocking is because millennials grew up on Facebook with their phones too. And so they thought that they would never have to deal with like being parents whose kids told them they weren't cool because they were always going to be on those same channels when come to find out they're just as like out of touch and old. Yeah, like we created, or not we, I'm not a millennial for sure, but the millennials created all these digital and social spaces. They dictated the rules and the norms and what was cool and what wasn't. And now they're being pushed out of them. Yeah, but I actually think the arguments for the traits of millennials are much weaker than the traits of Gen Zers. Like Gen Zers are like, uh, you you like Harry Potter and saying pupper and avocado toast. But like Gen Zers are like, haha, I hate everyone and I am very dark and I'm on TikTok and I am ruthless and I can, you know, get in a fight for my best friend, but I can't order pizza or whatever because it's so cringy or whatever. I don't know. I saw, I saw one Gen Zer trying to call out a millennial for basically using the, the old Ermagerd meme. And I almost <laughs> died. That like actually really hit hard. <laughs> like nobody uses Ermagerd though anymore. No, no. And the whole pupper thing. <laughs> like, how can you get mad at pupper? I know. What did that ever do to you? That was an old thing. Let it die. But like that, like, that didn't make, harm. We could make fun of you for all of the, the, like the little hand motions The yeah, we're on a podcast. So, but we're doing the, the, the Gen Z hand motions. <laughs> I just, it, it really is funny though, because I agree. I think millennials are a lot more subtle with their tendencies and, and just, there's a bigger variety of traits of millennials. Whereas I feel like Gen Z has all sort of banded together and they're all trying to share this very aggressive, same personality. personality. Yeah. And, and they're really- very intense. And it's funny because I have a young cousin who's very much a Gen Zer, and every time I spend time with her, she's just so she's incredibly Gen Z, like constantly just like hitting constantly the wall, <laughs> dances, like constantly joking about yeah, like how everything sucks and like they're they're so annoyed with everything and just you know always video gaming and it's so funny because it, she's the epitome of Gen Z. Here's the thing. The Gen Zers and the millennials need to band together because at some point we will have to do deal with the children who were born in COVID times. I'm and so they're going to be dangerous. That. I'm so gonna scared be, for that. They're going to be dangerous. They're going to be dark and they are going to be impossible. They're going to be so strong. <laughs> Can I say one thing that I don't like about Gen Zers? Not that, I mean, again, we're on the cusp, so I don't want to shit on them too much, but 
and I, I don't want to sound like a boomer either here, but have you noticed that a lot of them, there's just definitely a bigger sense of entitlement and yeah. like just being casual and whatnot. And uh, like, I get DMs from people asking about my job and if they're listening, sorry, I'm not trying to shade you. I'm not going to name any names, but that just like <laughs> makes me really uncomfortable because there are people that I don't know. And I'm like, if you want to ask me about a job, maybe find my LinkedIn. Or if you, if we have a mutual, ask them for my number or my email. It just felt like it feels really weird that people are using Instagram DMs as a way to try to get a job. You know what I mean? Like I, really- yeah, but that's definitely like a generational thing. Like the oh, millennials many- never. And how many like famous people post, especially people in media and entertainment who post on Twitter, hey, looking for a so-and-so, shoot me a DM. So, I mean, I get why it's not the Gen Zers fault that they think that DMing you is an appropriate form of communication when it comes to work-related things. But yeah, I don't know. Uncomfortable. Did you not DM anybody? Did you only message people on LinkedIn when you wanted to learn about being a page? Yes. I felt so creepy DMing them because then it you just... Do you have it in your bio? No. Yeah. Okay. Then that's weird. Exactly. And yeah. that that's what I don't like is that I have all these other profiles like LinkedIn, like you could easily find me. And if you have a mutual connection with me, it is not that hard to just ask that person for the email or phone number. For me, like social media should be a space where you can just, it's your personal life. Like I don't want social media to be my professional life. You know what I mean? So I just, yeah. And, and it's, it was also really annoying to have to answer a long DM over a phone, you know, like I like responding on LinkedIn because I can be on my computer and type out a long response. Yeah. And you like know that you're signing on to LinkedIn. So, you know, it's going to be work-related stuff. Exactly. Yes. I agree. I feel that. What? Oh my God, Illinois is losing to Loyola Chicago right now. It's just upset after upset. No, dude, it is literally 67 to 58 with 53 seconds to go. They're going to win. What the fuck? Who do you have with Gonzaga again? Playing oh, Gonzaga in the final? I'm sorry. You guys, March Madness has, it's literally, oh my God, no, this is going to bust my bracket. I oh. Emily is so sporty, you guys. She's no. not like other girls. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Okay, my bracket is ruined, but honestly, I don't care. I put a lot of money on the line, but did you have Illinois in the final? Yes, against Gonzaga. I want to die. Whatever. I had Ohio State, so I got fucked the very first game of the tournament. <laughs> oh my god, the number of upsets I never could have called. And I really pride myself on being a good bracket person, but this year is not my year, guys. It's nobody's year. Last year, I filled out a bracket or James filled it out for me. But like I he told me or he was like saying, "Okay, X versus X. Who do you pick? And after the first round of 64, my bracket was in the 99th percentile. You're not listening. She's not listening. Sorry. No, your bracket was in the 90s. Okay, let's sign off, guys. Thank you so much for being with us. You can find us on the Rod (laughs) Podcast at Instagram. You can send us a DM if you want us to talk about anything. You can send us a review on Apple Pods. Thank you so much for being with us for another week. And fuck you, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) Goes eggs. Bye. No, but actually, goes eggs. Okay, bye.